If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is great to be with you as always. Hope this finds you doing well. I'm Jeff. There's Tom, Director Matthew in the studio. Tom and myself are at our respective homes. The reason for that is, unfortunately, I have COVID. So I will be doing shows for the foreseeable future today, tomorrow, um, possibly Monday uh, from, from home. But uh, but wanted to reveal that so you didn't think that uh, that, you know, I was pulling the wool over your eyes. Nope. We're at the house. Got COVID. Finally got me. First time I've had it. I am boosted. I am all that stuff. So uh, I, I should be all right. I'll knock on wood that that's the case. Unfortunately, it's running through the Cameron household. So um, that's uh, I blame my youngest child. I berated him this morning uh, despite his illness. I went into his room and told him uh, that he has let the family down. Well, how do you feel after an hour of uh, of uh hard-hitting broadcasting it takes an extra little bit of energy so are you still good you run down what are we doing i'm run down i feel like ass um <laughs> i i am i'm run down feel like ass um not looking forward to this hour uh but i'm a winner and uh always have been and uh and, and that's that's what winners do tom that's okay. what winners do they they show up for work and they uh, provide the kind of entertainment uh that the people are grown accustomed to for over 20 years you know that I remember when, uh, when, when you came on board as an intern, we had the conversation about what it means to be a winner. And I could see the light in your eyes. And it's never left. It's never left. And that's how I knew I had my man. That, that was my eyes darting towards the door. That was, I was like, oh, can I, can I leave? Yeah. Can I leave now? 
Well, yeah. Daniel, Daniel was an intern for us and, and did great work for us. And if you look at how well he's done post radio, uh, I think I'm a direct influence and the reason for his many successes. Uh, you know, when I see him from afar, I smile, I get a little, a little choked up, occasionally a little bit choked up, you know, uh, and I got a daily reminder of uh, what it means to win when I look at director Matthew and uh, how far he's come. If you think about Matthew, uh, he wasn't long for this world. We were on the cusp. Tom wanted him fired within three days of him uh, on board. And I said, I can see it. It's down in there, Tom. You just got to talk to him. Wow. You got to talk to him the way that I talk to you and make it happen. It's in there. And now we both see it all the time. We have to calm him down. We have to tell him to slow his roll. It's okay. It's, it just does great work. This is a deep cut. Look at this. All right. Fantastic. Matthew, that's all true. I want you to know that everything he just said is 100% true. I well, I knew, I knew the key. Tom can be very emotional. Tom is very reactive. Uh, he can be a hothead. You guys wouldn't know that because he's good at hiding it. But in those moments where I can tell his emotions have gotten the better of him, I took him out for a beer. I said, hey, listen, let's, let's, why don't you sleep on it? Matthew's got good work in there. He can do some things. You just got to sit down and give him the expectations. And to your credit, you did. You know, you slept on it and you really yeah. guided the kid well. Yeah, I think Daniel's correct too. Um, you know, you just found a cure. You found a cure for whatever was ailing Matthew. That's it. And uh, you've built a bunch of winners. And that's why there, there's no doubt that if COVID ravages you over the next day, you'll still be on the air tomorrow, no matter what. I, that's, I true. That's, true. I that's true. That's the kind of, the kind of strength. Uh, that we bring to the table. Uh, Craig, no, my dog Carl died like eight years ago, um, to answer your question. Uh, he died eight years ago. I think it's eight years now. No, it's it's 13 years ago. Good God, Carl's been dead a long time. Um, but thanks for bringing it up. Uh, and by the way, Steve is uh, still with us, although not for much longer. Steve is uh, almost 14. I don't think he's going to make it. I think time is running short. Just so you know, if we're getting caught up on my dogs, Maggie is a uh, picture of health. She's doing just fine. There you go. Now we got the dogs out there. Everybody knows. Well, the boys are in the house. Do they, do they know your thoughts on the matter? My goodness. I guess they do now. Yeah, they, they know the thoughts on the matter. Uh, <clears throat> no, it, it's, uh, it's pretty funny that uh, I am, uh, as you know, uh, fairly blunt. And, uh, and so when things happen, I just say them and uh, we – noticed a while back Steve was beginning to struggle and I said boys I want you to start to wrap your mind around the idea of a life where Steve doesn't exist you need to you need to work through it you need to work through it I'm not I'm not saying tomorrow I'm not racing out the door to make it happen I'm just saying it's gonna happen so let's start thinking about it that's the hard part you've got pets why don't you out there have pets you know the deal you love them they're part of your family they're the best you give them the best life that you possibly can and then you know that at some point if things play out the way they're supposed to that's it that's the end of it it's kind, of like, it's kind of like coaches, you know, when, when, when they're with you, you love them so much and you try to advance, advance things. And it's a great time, especially when they beat Miami or they beat Florida. And you're like, my goodness, this, this life doesn't get better than this. And then they start to wheeze a little bit. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you're getting your head kicked in by those same teams. Well, it was a good run. I'll always cherish those moments. But uh, let's go to the pet store. Let's go get a new one. Let's get a new one and shower that one with love just to be let down by their premature death 10 years from now. No, no, just kidding. Hey, so let me tell you something. Uh, it's funny that we bring this up and just having a little tongue-in-cheek moment here on the show to some degree. I will say uh, I've never experienced a situation like the one we're in right now from a broadcasting standpoint or analysis standpoint with Mike Norvell. 
by the time Jimbo left, it was readily apparent that the two sides needed to go their separate ways. Uh, he wasn't happy here. We were about done with him. The plane was flown into the side of the mountain. He stopped recruiting. He wouldn't fire his assistant coaches, in particular a certain offensive line coach that wasn't getting the job done at all. And he was challenging fans to a fight as he came off the field after yet another loss. So those things were happening, and we knew it was time for him to go. And it was cantankerous, to say the least. The uh, the, the, the kind of interactions that people were having with him. We had people at the coaches show walk in and talk about loyalty. <laughs> and, and one of those shining moments where I predicted it was going to happen and said, Tom, watch this. This guy's going to ask the question. And he did. He did famously. Um, but the, why do I bring that up? Well, because when he left, we were like, oh, thank God. I mean, it had had to be done. It's a shame it had to turn out this way. I, I really wished it hadn't. But man, we have to move on. And then when Willie got here, uh, I had it wrong. I thought he would do a good job, and he didn't. And there were things I didn't realize uh, off the field that began to become a problem. And so when he left, I wasn't emotionally invested. I was just – it was kind of just a sort of a terse, calculated, we need to we need to get where the getting's good here. Uh, guys, this ain't going to get better. Uh, it's going to look bad. We're going to take a PR hit. But we probably need to take it on down the road because I don't see this getting any better. And they did, and they did. But I wasn't, you know – we were ready for that too, is my point. And you know that I thought Bowden needed to go at the end of his career. I know the legend that he is, the saint that uh, people uh, hold him to be, and I and I get all that. I'm not going to speak ill of the dead in any way, but obviously at the end of his career, the program had taken a huge step back and was no longer a consistent, uh, successful program. So I was ready for him to go too, as controversial as that was. I say all that to say this. People don't dislike Mike Norvell. The people who want him gone already don't dislike Mike Norvell. The people who like him and want him to stay are willing to entertain the idea that if he has another middling to poor season, we should fire him. But they're not emotional about it. We're all just kind of like, yeah, we're just watching, man. You seem like a good guy. You work really hard. Anytime I've talked to you, you have a great grasp of football. Your work ethic is unquestioned. But either you do the job or you don't. We're just totally uninvested in the way that we were about all of the other coaches emotionally. This is not that at all. Because you don't have the the final act or the extending part of the the movie either. I think once you have the evidence presented in this twelve game season, then you'll be able to be a little bit more emotional one way or the other. But we also we realize, and I we've had to become well adjusted to reasons for losses, not excuses, but reasons, because we've had a lot of those L's floating around here in these parts the last few years. But we all see that COVID derailed whatever progress he was trying to build from the get-go. Oh, he got screwed right off the bat, yes. By the time he's got a fair fighting chance in living rooms, the new car smell had wore off. So, Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's circumstance plus some failures from a personnel standpoint. I, I think he has aided his downfall in the recruiting world. He was also screwed from the jump, yes. Right, yeah, both are true. I, I think what's more true or what holds more weight, at least at this point, is that he was screwed from the get-go. Now, have another failure that's even close to a Jacksonville State failure again this season, and the emotion will be there, and people will call for his termination. But you go 8-4, and four, or God forbid 9-3, and three, and then you'll have people rallying into, into his corner in a way they have not before. I just, I actually applaud the fan base for being more wait-and-see and it'll bear out on the field about this right. particular hire because we had been so polarized. The Jimbo camp, I mean, 
it wasn't 100% get rid of Jimbo. There were a lot of people who backed him as he uh, was out the door. Still some people do. And then Willie, uh, that was very emotional because everybody got together and said, this is no moss, man. <laughs> we can't do this. Well, at least those that knew what was going on off the field. In, in this particular – well, that's true. That's true. It wasn't 100%, but, I mean, if you heard the ev- – I mean, my God. Anyway, in this particular case, I think most everybody is saying, okay, here's a key season. What are you going to do with it? Because you're going to make the decision for me, Mike. I don't even have to make a decision here. You're going to make the decision for me. And maybe that's the simple way that Mike Alford is looking at this as well. We talked about him an awful lot uh, in the first hour, but maybe that's how he's looking at this particular situation that, hey – you're going to do my job for me. I don't. That's not always the case as an athletic director. Sometimes you have to make a decision in the gray area, but it's more likely than not that I'll have the answer before me because of what you do or don't do this season. I just like that for once. I mean, that's crazy. If you think back to what you just said and we repeat it out loud, that the fans have been reasonable. What? Florida State fans, and you're right, they have been. Florida State fans are not described by anybody outside of Florida State as reasonable. Um, they're described as perhaps irrationally passionate, uh, violent, uh, over the top in a lot of ways. Um, oh man, the kind of sickening, uh, verbiage used, uh, to media members across the country via Twitter is, is, is a kind of verbal, I'm not talking about walking into a house and beating somebody. Um, but yeah, they, they're hostile is a better way of saying it then. Um, and, and so I've watched all that play out. It's been overstated at times. Sometimes it's understated. But this group over the last few years has been great. They've been kind of, well, the man inherited a tough situation. We have a fake athletic director who's a bean counter. Uh, he's now come in here and has to try to start anew, and he's going to be the third coach in four years. That's not good for recruiting. COVID hit. You had to be a year where you, you can't even bring people on campus, so how can you create relationships? How can you, you know, get to know these high school coaches whom you're going to ask uh, you know, steer their players to you. Uh, so, so we acknowledge those things and that's why people are upset at five and seven, but not outrageously. So that's what brings us to now. That's what brings us to the, okay, well now we're done now. Now we get it. All that happened, but man, at some point now you got to produce, we're done with all the other stuff. Yeah. The thing I'd say, and I was just reflecting on this, uh, regarding, the transfer portal, and, and there's another offensive lineman, uh, Jazz Turnitine from South Carolina, is now a part of the group this year. It's 10 different offensive linemen have been brought in. And if you look at, at that combined with some of the defensive interior players that have brought in uh, as true freshmen this year, Daniel Lyons, Bishop Thomas, we like. Uh, they did they did get uh, the, the kid uh, out of bio. Um, if, I, if I got his name right, I'm sorry, his name escapes me. But they reclassified him from 23 to 22 uh, you've got a couple players that you like now at defensive end like Jared Verse. My point is, if they show enough success this year that, you know, maybe it's a 7-5, and five, but a couple of close burns that, that you could have easily been 9-3 and three with one kick that was made or something like that, I wonder if the work in the trenches is going to have any impact on how we view whether or not we should make a change because they have done quietly and not quietly at the same time. There's been an overhaul in the trenches, both sides of the football. They saw the problem at wide receiver. They hit it with a nuclear bomb with four different transfers. I know you know two or three are, are probably game ready and, and could be starters, two, uh, two of the four for sure, maybe three out of the four. But my point is they see problems, this coaching staff, and they attack them with fury. 
And I wonder if that's going to score them any points if it doesn't end up like Alford thinks and, and maybe like we do, where it's going to be the, the decision is going to be made for me. If it's in the middle, they are approaching things with both a short term vigor and a long term vigor that puts them in a position to pay it off down the road. It's just that you won't see many contributions from the boosters or the NIL at that point. I, I just I wonder if that buys him any goodwill, I guess, is my point, if it ends up somewhere in the middle. I'm really hoping they get to see it paid off. They're operating. They're working. They're making decisions that speak to a, a, a head coach, at the very least, who doesn't believe he's in any danger. Like You don't do some of the things that he's done if you think uh, that this could be your last year. You, you, you don't do that because he's, he's now he's setting up, like you say, um, for some successes two years from now, three years from now. And, you know, when you're desperate and you think this might be the year in which your career at Florida State is called into question, you probably you probably don't make some of those decisions. So I like that he operates under the banner of confidence. I like that he proceeds about his day the way that you would with a long-term vision. Even if other people are questioning that, he's not, right? He's just he's falling down that path. That's how you have to be, unwavering. I mean, how many times have we watched, whether it's basketball, could be football, could be baseball, you name it, where a coach is having a moment. He's having a successful moment. He's reaping the benefits of a plan, and they win and win big. This could be any program anywhere, and all of a sudden you're learning a lot more about his journey to this moment. And you're watching the ESPN Tom Rinaldi special, whatever it might be. And we watch it, and invariably there's this moment where along the way that guy was in real trouble. Like his career was in question. They came this close to firing him, but they believed that he did a good job with this player, had this booster that was supporting him, so they gave him another year. And then that year he won seven games. The next thing you know, they got a star quarterback to come, and the next year they won 10, and now here they are playing in the national championship. It took seven years, the first three of which saw him on the hot seat. You know, you hear that story. It's been done so many times. Hell, it was done by Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney, by all rights, was this close to being fired because he's a clown, and they knew he was a clown, and he needed better assistance around him. Now, the credit I give Dabo Sweeney is that right there on the cusp, when he himself admits he thought he was about to be fired, he asked his wife to come with him, he thought this was going to be the end of the day, he was going to meet the athletic director because the athletic director had called him in, and he thought, I'm going to be fired because his record sucked. And then that athletic director did the opposite. He said, you know what? I believe in you. I'm going to give you another year. I think you can do this. What do you need? And he realized he needed really good football coaches because he isn't one. So what he did was go out and get really good football coaches as offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. And all of a sudden, not only did they have really good coordinators, they had elite coordinators. And then he could be free to do what he does very well, which is recruit, which is to sell some sort of folksy vision, some Southern Christian nonsense that he uh, yucks it up with the families and all the families eat it up and they let their kids go there because they think that he governs the program along with Jesus. And it worked. And all of a sudden, Clemson had better players than everybody else and they went on a run forever. And he gets nothing but respect and credit from me because, hey, I don't have to believe as he believes. I don't have to think any of that's real. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is he got those kids, those families, those administrators, those coaches to believe that, and they won, and they won really big. 
I'm hoping that we see this sort of storyline where Mike has been unwavering. He has seen the way he wants to play. He has seen the way he thinks they should play. He has talked about it time and again, even when they lose, even when they lost to Jacksonville State, a humiliating loss. By rights, could have seen him fired on the spot, but he wasn't. Of course he wasn't. He ended up staying true to the vision, knowing that that was ugly, knowing that that can't happen, so much so that he apologized for it after the game. But he didn't change anything. It didn't make him reconsider the message. It didn't make him look in the mirror and say, maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I've got this all wrong. Maybe I should take another path to try to win games sooner. Nope. He said, I believe there's a way we should play, the way we should act, the way we prepare. I'm going to stay the course because I believe in the end it's what's going to make us successful. I want that story three years from now, four years from now. I think we all do. I think there's a distinct possibility it could happen. That's, again, why we have this conversation incessantly, which is that, Man, this year is really important because we can't get to that end. We can't see the resolving of this story if he can't make it through this year. If they go five and seven or four and eight, he's probably going to get fired. And if that happens, then damn it, man, my Rinaldi piece is out the door. <laughs> well, you could try and write that all you want. And uh, to the family and to the player, Ayubami Tafasi, sorry about that. My immediate recall had failed me, but uh, I'm sure you're going to be an excellent player for us. It was eating at you. It was. You know me. It eats at me when I don't nail things like that. Like uh, when I got Christian Jones uh, on the mind for so many years. I mean, with You Matt shouldn't have Trump, mentioned his name just now because now you're going to screw it up again. <laughs> I'll make sure I invoke his name at some point in the near future uh, when talking about maybe a wide receiver this time. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I, patience sometimes is the thing that is, is expected by nobody and then pays off big time. Coach K is a big you know, uh, example of an athletic department being patient with a coach in a way that they probably cannot be anymore. We'll see if we need to exercise that virtue of patience. I don't, I hope not. I don't think so. But the, the thing that Mike would have to be open to, if that becomes the case, and let's say that they said uh, as an athletic department, well, we've got to upgrade coordinators or whatever it is. He has to be willing to allow his potential successor in the door. Because why would you take a job as a coordinator for a dead man walking? Correct. You, you wouldn't. So the only way that you could be see the receiver coach they just tried to hire, right? So the only way that that you could do that if you're a, a, a coaching commodity and you're a brand that's on the rise as a coordinator would be, well, am I going to get an interview for the headman job if this doesn't go south? Am I going to be blamed? You know what what kind of security can you grant me? And that's where it would be really really interesting because at that point, wouldn't you just make the big move? But hopefully none of these conversations come to light. I know that. And we've talked about this a lot today that we finally have an athletic director who I believe is buttoned up enough to be prepared for all of these scenarios. And preparation has been a problem for the athletic department for a long time. Uh, let's just hope that we have to go with plan A, which is how much money do we have to pay him? Because he's gone from three wins to five wins to eight or nine wins. Uh, not a lot. I think I think we just keep the status quo here. He makes good money to be uh, what he is right now, which is so far not successful. Uh, so you suddenly have one good year. I, I'm not breaking the bank for you. I'll extend you uh, probably a name only. Uh, there's no more added money to that deal. Um, but, you know, I, I, that's how I would do that. I don't think that's that's reasonable at that point because – you know if how he goes the, seven and five. You want to you want to give him a big raise? I said eight or nine wins, and if, oh, and okay. if you do, I think I think you have to. I think you have to at that point because of how things work in the coaching industry. I hate how it works, but you have to be prepared to cut a check for a raise. Plus, I do believe he took a pay cut 
during COVID. I, I don't know if it was restored. I know for a lot of employees at Florida State, those salaries were restored. But I, you know, you'd have to get into the weeds to find out if uh, he's back to 100% pay. But I, I'm, way, sure, I'm sure he is. Either way, you would have to be prepared at eight or nine wins before we get to a bowl. That yeah, you got to cut him a, a check for a raise. That's just the way that this coaching game works. It's a shell game. Well, let's, hope, let's hope we're having that conversation. I'd like to have that debate in the wake of a nine-win season. I think that'd be a fun-ass debate to have. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at fsuhomeloans.com. Cameron Show, right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Appreciate you joining us. Also, appreciate you watching on War Chant TV. Don't forget to like and subscribe. By the way, I noticed that today the sex bots really took their time getting into the chat. It uh, we, got, we went a full hour and a half, I think, before the first sex bots that were like, hey, butts are over here. And usually you see that a lot sooner, Tom. Just it's uh, Maybe they were being courteous knowing that we're having to do the show at two separate places i don't know matthew's very busy they didn't want him to have to have you know constantly looking over his shoulder for the sex spots like he usually does when we're all together so just an impressive observation to note that uh, not as much butt talk as there typically is in the chat yeah uh there's there's still a lot of uh low-hanging fruit stuff that that will happen there was a couple other people that came in there were um a rapture there was a rapture bot that oh, today. good. I, I like it, a good rapture discussion. The second coming is here because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, now, what gets fun is when the post-game show happens, people are firing in that chat at, like, warp speed. So we can't even block all the bots because the, the chat's moving so fast. It's like the wheel of Wheel of Fortune with every peg that's in the wheel. That You're just like, oh, there it goes. Goodbye. It's, uh, <laughs> it's too late. I guess we can't block you. But every day that we're on here, it's, uh, it's somebody new that decides to drop in and and try to sell something. So that's good. I love the effort. Keep it up, everybody. That means people are here. <laughs> yeah, people uh, are peppering, and we want Matthew to have to stay uh, on his toes. You know, we got, we got to get that guy out there. Oh, man, Daniel has been blocked. Look at that. It's ugly out there, folks. Tread lightly. Director Matthew will block you, I promise you. Hey, so still no news on the uh, hiring of a new baseball coach front. We are crossing our fingers. I want to circle back to what we talked about in the first hour. There's noise in the system, as they say. Seems like something is happening over there. What specifically, I don't know. But common sense seems to suggest that Florida State's going to have an announcement about their new baseball coach very soon. If I uh, were a betting man, and I am, I would bet that it's Link Jarrett. I could lose that bet. I've lost bets before. But that's the way I'd bet it, Tom. I would say that uh, probably 8-1 to odds that it's going to be Link Jarrett. Yeah, 8-1, to so... Minus 800? Yeah, minus 800. Okay, well, that's that sounds good to me. I'll take that as a yes. It's just I find it interesting that no other names have really surfaced as potentials. Um, you know, we have obviously a history when Meat was uh, was naturalized from the hitting coach position to the head coach position. They had interviewed quite a few candidates, and some I'm sure they kept in the drawer, the proverbial drawer for in case of uh, emergency. But you really haven't heard much about anybody else other than Link. It's been too quiet for him not to be the leading candidate. I would think the only way that he doesn't take the job at this point 
is if something falls apart at the 11th hour, which can right. happen in negotiations, but you're not hearing it getting to the fifth hour or the sixth hour with anybody else. So it's just, it's been too quiet for me to think it could be anybody else because why would you, why would you announce somebody new uh, as the head coach now? Why wouldn't you do that last week? So to me, it's, it's link is the primary and secondary option. We'll see if they have to get to the tertiary, but I, it doesn't sound like they do. Uh, I also think that the way that Link Jarrett answered those questions seemed to indicate, obviously, that that's a guy that was really excited and interested in talking with Florida State. He had to he had to try to thread that needle, that fine line of, hey, I'm here, I'm locked in, it's the College World Series, these guys mean the world to me, we've come a long way together, I'm so proud of them, I don't want to disrespect them and their opportunity that they have here out in Omaha by being distracted by this other thing. But I also acknowledge that other thing is real. And it's something that I'd be foolish not to admit interests me. I mean, he doesn't say interest, but he doesn't deny that that's a thing that's been on his mind. So once you cop to that, I think you're basically telling people, yeah, man, I'm going to get an offer from my alma mater that I grew up as a kid in Tallahassee watching and dreamt of playing for and then did and have always wanted to come back so much so that I applied for the job when it was open last time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I think that's kind of, yeah. I, I, to me, it's just a good indicator that he's coming. Link, well, what is your interest level in staying here at Notre Dame? Well, you know, these kids are global leaders. These kids around me are future global leaders. I can't wait to watch them excel in the world of finance, in politics. These kids are just, they're really something else. It's been a privilege to be their coach this year. I really root for these kids. Yeah, that was one of the great answers. I was like, there you go. Well done, sir. Well done. Hey, uh, this is funny. Uh, Preston, I hope I run into him. He asks in the chat, Jeff, speaking of you and the high net worth individuals that you associate with, do you have any bets for next year with the solar panel mogul guy? No, but I did tell everybody that he paid up. He paid up the, the second the clock struck zero and Kansas City went over the total. This was two years ago now, I think, uh, of wins. Um, he had said, I think, fewer than 11 or 10 or something, and I said over and whatever the bet was. I have it still on my phone. I can look it up. But the point would be uh, I wondered as the year went on and it was clear that Kansas City was going to soar to the over if he was paying attention. Uh, and the day that they surpassed that number, uh, I, got, uh, I got a text wanting to know uh, my my Venmo or my PayPal, whatever it was. And I said, okay, buddy, come on, let's go. And it was in my account. He's a man of honor, that mogul, that uh, <laughs> that solar panel mogul. I think it needs to become an active bid on the show. that Because it, it's not a bit if it's true, I guess, right? But we've got to determine what is the wager that you want to pitch him. Then you pitch the wager and whether or not you meet up for – drinks at a happy hour or a coin flip for your life or your left leg or something like that. That's up to you. If yeah. you want to flip a Had fun with the coin flipping while we were there too. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. It's up to you, but I think we need to pitch that. Like what's the wager with the mysterious solar panel guy going to be. And I'll bet you, he takes it. He just sounds like he'll take any side of any bet just to do it. He likes the juice, Tom. I could tell right off the bat. He likes the action. If the man is talking to a total stranger, whom he sees watching golf on the TV, a midweek game, not unlike the Travelers, for example, that's being played today. He is an observant man. He looked at the end of the bar, saw yours truly, watching with great intention to the Travelers Championship on a Thursday afternoon, and thought, huh, who would be doing that? 
perhaps somebody that's invested in the results of the Travelers Championship. And then, then the talking began. And uh, before that uh, conversation ended, we were betting on coin flips. I'm actually really proud of that day. Yeah, Not I, only did I win the money from the football, but I, I thought I took him for his word. I took him at his word. He's just a guy that likes the action. Come on. I'll bet you on a coin flip. Let's go. Let's go, yeah, buddy. He found the right audience to bet <laughs> a coin flip, though. I think that's that's also the other thing is like, you know what? He's driving to uh, whatever solar panel project he's got. in On I-10. Yeah, yeah. Well, or on South Carolina, wherever he's going. And the guy is in the car. He's, this guy doesn't shut up. But then he said something interesting, which was, I found somebody to take my coin flip bet. You believe that? Yeah. I found a yeah. guy, Tallahassee. He took me up on it. That's right. Yeah. And I beat him, by the way. I, I won an unprecedented 8 out of 10. That's crazy. He had to have been like, what the hell is going on here? It's a 50-50 proposition. My man's got me 8 to 2. Mm -hmm. I said, you want to keep flipping? Come on. Let's keep flipping, buddy. I'm, I'm hot right now. Buddy, I told you this story. I, I won't obviously reveal who, where, or when. Uh, but in the last year, we'll go with the last year, I saw a coin flip for two grand. Some two people that, that we know flipped a coin for two G's straight up. It was mm. the most exhilarating thing I've ever seen as the coin was in the air. It yeah. felt like a slow motion Zack Snyder moment where you're just seeing. <laughs> at, the, at the end of the Norm MacDonald book that he wrote a couple years back, there's this tender moment. I, I, I think I posted it right after he passed away. Um, there's this tender moment where the last chapter, the whole thing is, is hilarious. The whole book is, is out there. It's mixed with truths and stories and things that didn't happen. And you're trying to figure out what's what, but at the very end, he's alluding to his, his gambling addiction and talking about the moment of truth when you're playing craps and when the dice are on the table and you become the center of the universe and it hits the felt, and you look at the faces of the people around, and it's so good. It'll crack you up. I love it. And But it's actually oddly tender because you're like, oh, you've got a real problem, but you acknowledge it, and it's beautiful. It's, it's just it's perfect. It's kind, of, it's kind of perfect that way. Uh, I, would, I would advise people, look it up. All right, when we come back, we have to solve for the future. We'll do that next. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk So it's time to solve for the future with our friends, obviously, at ISF. We do it every week. It's been a great partnership with ISF, and it continues to be. And I want to thank them publicly uh, for supporting the Jeff Cameron Show and for WarChant TV and 93.3. means a lot, and uh, they've done well, and I hope that they are doing well by us as well. This is the time of year, by the way, where ISF reminds you that uh, here we've rolled now into uh, hurricane preparedness uh, month, if you will. There's a hurricane, there's an official hurricane preparedness week, which we uh, obviously didn't add for earlier, but that, that, that's true basically of the entire month of May and June. Uh, and the experts at ISF remind you to be prepared when hurricanes and other disasters strike. Uh, ISF partnered with the second harvest of the Big Ben. They were able to hand out free food, hurricane supply buckets. This happened a while back, but you need a supply bucket. You need some of those essentials. You need to be prepared 
through the hurricane season, ISF reminds you to make a plan, build a bucket, be prepared. Visit ISF.com for more ISF solving for the future. Now, obviously, we hope that none of us has to utilize that plan or bucket. Uh, knock on wood. Uh, it seems like we've certainly had to more often than not over the last several years, but I am crossing my fingers that that is not the case, Tom, that we get into football season and we have no such storms on the horizon. Uh, I would say that uh, a big part of solving for the future as it pertains to Florida State for this ever-important season that we have continued to talk about week in and week out is getting the most out of the aforementioned offensive linemen that we've brought in, Turntine, Turntine and Dimitri Emmanuel, uh, two guys that I think if they come in and play well and we get the most out of their ability – to go along with Bless Harris, to go along with uh, perhaps Caden Lyles, Tom, uh, that you could revamp the entirety of your offensive line. And if you do that and those guys play well, you did bring in probably the biggest difference maker from an explosiveness standpoint in Trey Benson. And if that happens, Florida State will not have to put together these lengthy, arduous drives. Uh, they won't have to do the thing where it's 14 plays, 16 plays to get into position to score some points. They may have a game changer that lights up the scoreboard, as coaches like to say, um, in the form of Trey Benson, especially if that offensive line uh, is better than we think it's going to be. Or those players are guys that can come in and start and elevate the floor uh, for this offensive line. And you have realistic depth. Uh, depth. Yeah, you know, the other thing, the wrinkle that I'm interested in this year is if you go jumbo on third and short, third and goal, fourth and short, fourth and goal, could the jumbo include a, a sixth and a seventh offensive lineman? Like, that's that's something where I don't even know who the option would have been last year. Like, who's reliable enough to run off the sideline? Like, all right, there you go. They're going to the jumbo package. Here comes so-and-so. Now you've got options that if you want to overload, if you want to play closer to the line of scrimmage, you bring in uh, and tell a defense and dictate what a defense does pre-snap, and then you get into the option game. The more offensive linemen slash tight ends who can block that you bring in, the easier it is for a quarterback to make reads off of that and to declare and to do what he needs to do to become an explosive player. So it's not just about a starting five for me. I think you're actually adding more multiplicity here in what the mm -hmm. offense can do because we haven't had a tight end who can consistently block Ugh. So when you don't have linemen that can block and you don't have tight ends that can block, I don't care if you bring a sixth offensive lineman on the field if he's competent. I think we're getting to the place now where if you have some development with some of the younger guys, you might have eight uh, competent offensive linemen available at any one given time. Maybe more if one of these freshmen comes along and can be out there for three or four snaps as a glorified lead back or a, a second tackle. I just I like what this does for the option game. I think this goes part and parcel with it. If we were a four-wide team, that wouldn't do you much good except in very specific circumstances. But if you're trying to run zone read, read option, and it's almost like a, a triple option in the way that Jordan Travis runs it at times, if you have a lot of hosses on the line of scrimmage, that helps you pick your gaps and all that kind of stuff that you want to do. So I'm excited about where this could go. It's just you've got to find your starting five, your best five first. Yeah, by the way, it's exciting, too. I'm very old school. I, I mean, to me, having the ability to run the ball when you want to run the ball, it's the most emasculating thing you can do to a defense. It is the most empowering thing you can do as an offense because it's the most physical aspect of the game. And you're giving away your intentions by formation and by personnel, and you're telling the defense you can't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. And there are teams who do that. 
There are teams throughout the country, no matter the system they run, that when it gets down to it in the second half of a close game and they have to put together a drive and possess the football, they fall back on the run game, the physicality of the run game, and they bludgeon and they batter and they wear down their opponent. We have done some of that. We have done some of it. It's how we got back in the Notre Dame game. There have been a lot of moments where you're like, look at this. We're able to run despite no balance. So if you have even a little bit of it, then, man, what do you have there? You have a real opportunity for some home run plays. You have some opportunities to draw guys up, having to deal with that, which then leads to the aforementioned home run plays. And you got a guy I think who could do something about it uh, in Micah Pittman. Uh, I, I just – let's hope. Let's really hope that is the case. It's it's a fun brand of football to watch because it's intimidating and it travels. It travels. That's the other part of it. The passing game doesn't always travel. It's uh, wholly dependent on uh, a lot of factors. Your quarterback's got to be accurate. Your receivers have to catch the football and get open in one-on-one situations. You have to hope it's not a windy day or a rainy day. But running the ball, bludgeoning people travels just like defense travels. And that's how you can guarantee in these 50-50 games that you come out on the right end a little bit more often than not. Yeah, bottom line here is is you're better at each position across the board on offense this year. I think you're better. Trey Benson makes running back better. That was the one that I wasn't sure of until spring happened. Um, that's going to work. So if you're better across the board at each position on offense, that creates more balance. And if there's more balance, uh, that means that you don't have to pull a rabbit out of your wherever every given week for a 30-yard explosive run. Or you don't have to hope and pray that Jordan Travis scrambles and, and just has the ability to make two dudes miss in a, one phone booth in order to get you six yards on a third and five. You've got a chance to scheme up some stuff. And, and that's where, again, I just I have so much hope for this group because whether or not you want to credit uh, some of this to Dillingham, it's mostly Norvell, though, I think. If they're able to craft explosive plays without anything other than a quarterback who can run around, mm -hmm. what can they do? If you're better across the board, if your offensive line has gone from below average to approaching average, if your receivers, you got a couple of them that can win one-on-ones, so they think twice about how they line up pre-snap defensively. Yeah, you do all of these things, and you and you got Trey Benson, who is a bruiser but also a home run hitter. Man, you might be seeing – it doesn't have to be as consistent or, or as consistent as we want it to be offensively. It could be more consistently explosive, though, and get you to those magic numbers that you need to win these 50-50 games. Thanks to, again, our friends at ISF for their great partnership, and that is solving for the future. We certainly love to partner with ISF. They are a national management and IT consulting firm located right here in Tallahassee, Florida. I've mentioned that before, solving the future for state governments. They do so through strategy, process, technology, and they are a trusted advisor for state governments all around the country. They know the importance of defining a clear and detailed strategy. To find out more, go to isf.com. Shall we stay here and do probables or roll on Big River and come back and do probables? So what's who says what, Director Matthew? Director Matthew gives a thumbs up. I don't even know what the hell that means. Thumbs up is uh, take a break or thumbs up is uh, do probables. He, he said do probables. Right here. So we got just under five minutes left. Let's do it. That's the trick uh, when we're here, by the way, not in the studio, is I can't see my clock. So that's how we work. By the way, Rory McIlroy today, minus eight at the Travelers. Have yourself another great day, Rory. He's having a tremendous season. He's eight under. Xander Schauffele, seven under. Um, and also some other big names starting to creep in there, uh, including 
Um, uh, who was it? I was just looking at it. Oh, uh, sorry. Webb Simpson is in there as well, moving up the, the ladder. Jordan Spieth just birdied, so we'll see. Uh, a lot of those better players, Scotty Scheffler and the bunch, didn't get out until later in the day. So that's your update on the Travelers. By the way, did you make a pick this week, Tom, for the Travelers? You got anybody? Uh, you know, is Keegan playing? Because uh, if he, he was, is, he, he, is. He, he loves that part of the country. I know he'd be coming down for being the hometown guy uh, in Boston, the Boston, greater Boston area, but he always plays well in Connecticut, so that would have been my pick. All right, there you go. Here we go. Cue it up. Let's play some Probables music, and let's get after it as we get going here. It's the eighth inning. It's Colorado 2, Miami 2. That game was started by Kyle Freeland and Braxton Garnett. Giants, Braves, Alex Wood, Kyle Wright. That game's in the seventh. The Braves lead at 7-4. In the bottom of the seventh, the Dodgers lead 8-1 over Cincinnati in a game started by Clayton Kershaw and Hunter Green. Also, the Pirates lead the Cubs. Hey, hey, suck it, Cubbies. Six to two, Buckos. That game is in the seventh inning. Jose Quintana, that creep can roll man. Justin Steele. They're in the sixth between the Guardians and the Twins. That game is one to nothing. Minnesota, Zach Plezak, Devin Smeltzer. Cardinals, Brewers, Dakota Hudson, Jason Alexander. Mariners, Athletics, Robbie Ray. Hey. Frankie Montas. Frumber Valdez goes for the Astros. Jamison Tyon going for the Yankees. Orioles, White Sox, Dean Creamer and Johnny Cueto. And finally, Phillies, Padres late tonight, Rangers Suarez and Joe Musgrove. By the way, Tom, just thought you should know, Joe Musgrove, of course, former Pirate who was not of much use to us, is 8-0 with an ERA under two. Of course he is. You guys suck at developing pitching, I guess. It's just hurtful. It (laughs) saddens my heart. I mean, Joe Musgrove wasn't great last year or the year before. He certainly wasn't great in Pittsburgh, but they have unlocked the key. Cy Young resides in San Diego, and his name is Joe Musgrove. It's ridiculous. Whoever is in charge of, of getting the – Well, they if, fired him. They moved on. They get to the, the major league level, but whoever's in charge or was in charge, yeah, needs to be replaced with a new set of eyeballs because you've got like seven stories like this. Yes, Chad Cool is having a decent season. He's not 8-0 with an ERA under two, but he's certainly having a decent season. It's, it's frustrating. So how is it that Dansby Swanson is now one of the best sluggers in, in baseball? Dude's crazy this year, and yeah. he was one of the reasons they were going to lose the World Series if they didn't go all the way last year. He was a liability. What has happened to Dansby Swanson? It's pissing me off. Perhaps steroids? It is wild and unfair speculation on my part. I don't know that to be the case, but I might suggest uh, the use of drugs is aiding his endeavor. That's a great answer out of you. I didn't even tee that up, but good for you. Yes, (laughs) tie his name to steroids erroneously, or maybe not erroneously, not at all. We'll never know. We'll just never know unless he gets popped, unless he gets popped. But that said, uh, yeah, he is having a great year. And he hit one off the end of the bat when he got totally fooled against Pittsburgh with two outs and the bases loaded in the game that I was at that fell between three people in no man's land down the right field line. And a bunch of Braves fans tweeted at me that uh, he had done something uh, exhilarating. And I was like, yeah, like get totally fooled and look like an idiot, but luck into three RBIs on a play that should have never happened. God, it makes me angry thinking about it. But nonetheless, we weren't any good. I don't know if that's 20 seconds. I think that was. Uh, what's one minute? That's one minute. Okay, good. One minute. We're rolling on Big River. I will just say this. Maybe, just maybe, we have the big news tonight. Go to warchant.com for the latest to find out if we hire a baseball coach. If not, my guess it would be next week because I don't think they want to do a Friday news dump. I don't think that's going to happen. So cross your fingers that we get news tonight in regards to Link Jarrett or whomever it is that's going to be the baseball coach. That's, uh, that is my hope. Good job, Director Matthew. Good job, Tom. Thanks for putting up with me, everybody. I'll be back with you tomorrow. COVID or no COVID, I'm here for you. We'll make it. We'll make it together. We'll get into the weekend together. Peace, everybody.